0: among children is a pressing issue that demands attention. It's a crisis that goes beyond the statistics, revealing the harsh realities faced by countless young lives. Imagine children going to school, their minds filled with dreams and aspirations, only to return to a life of uncertainty in shelters, cars, or on the streets. This instability can have a profound impact on their mental health and future opportunities. Every child deserves a safe and stable place to call home. It's a fundamental right, one that influences growth, well being, and potential to break the cycle of homelessness. Hi, I'm Tej. I host Jesuba Talks, and today in conversation with me is Jocelyn Dobson the co-founder of the Amherst Foundation and Capsity Kids. Welcome to the podcast, Jocelyn.
1: Thank you so much, Tage. Thank you for having me. I'm honored to be here.
0: It's our honor, too. To be honest, if I were to do any justice to your introduction, I have to read a long list of tremendous achievements, and I would not want to miss a thing. Can you please tell us about yourself?
1: Well, I think that... Along with my children, probably Cap City Kids, I would consider um, my biggest achievement, right? Um, we're so proud of this, this charity that we started um, in the aftermath of Hurricane Katrina in mm-hmm. 2005.
0: Mm-hmm. So. Well, you're being very humble. So uh, let me tell the viewers and the listeners that uh, Jocelyn serves on the board of directors for the Amherst Group and is managing partner of JDSD Investments Limited, and her passion for conscious capitalism and entrepreneurial endeavors has honed her three-decade investment career to focus on the development of innovative business strategies that benefit communities. Through CapCity Kids and the Amherst Foundation, Amherst's in-house 501c3 nonprofit foundation, Jocelyn has helped address the needs of communities with a targeted focus in affordable housing, education, military, social services, and medical research. I'd love to hear about CAPCITY Kids and uh, thank you for uh, being on the show.
1: Well, thank you for having me. Um, CAPCITY Kids has been um, a, a very transformative, I would say, um, experience. Um, What started out, so it's been 20 years now, or 2005, approaching 20 years, Uh, it was just sort of a a knee-jerk reaction that we had on a Sunday when my husband and I, we had a two-year-old and a six-month-old at the time, were watching the horrific scenes that were happening in New Orleans after Hurricane Katrina. I don't know if you remember that storm or not, but it devastated New Orleans, and it was the water was sewer water and it it hit sort of the neighborhoods that were the most disadvantaged so people were never able to go home and they lost all of their belongings and the scenes from the superdome were horrific there were little kids running around they didn't have proper sanitary facilities they didn't have food and here we are in austin texas in our beautiful home with our children on a sunny day watching this on tv and crushed, right? So, being that we had these two small children, we had lots of baby gear. So, we loaded up our Suburban and we drove over to our community center that were hosting relief efforts to donate that. But on the way, we were talking about the children and how devastated those parents must feel to have their kids in this situation, right? And so, the next stop, we stopped at a place called Project Help. And I... I didn't really know that each school district in the United States has um, a homeless school liaison office right okay I admittedly didn't even know what a homeless school liaison was until this day mm-hmm. so we walk in the door and we meet this very energetic beautifully sold woman called Kathy Raqueja and and this moment again, was so transformative. So Kathy explained to us that Texas was going to open its doors and we were going to get 100 children from New Orleans the next day.
0: The next day? Oh, wow.
1: The next day, on Monday. And it was Labor Day, which is a bank holiday in the United States. Mm -hmm. So we said, well, what can we do to help? And she said, you can bring five backpacks. So she didn't know us and we didn't know her. And my husband actually said, well, why don't we bring them all? And we'll bring like a little care package. And mm-hmm. we have a company and we'll call everyone who's still in town. Mm-hmm. And we'll make a game out of this. We're, we're all hyper-competitive and we'll make it fun. And we'll bring 100 care packages. So when these kids get off the bus, we can present them with, you know, clothes and shoes and a backpack. Because these women were there on a Sunday working because they were going to enroll these kids in school. Right. Right away, right to try to, you know, reduce the trauma. Trauma, yes, right? Yes.
0: And that inspired you that then, and that's how, that was the beginning, is it?
1: I would say that that was the beginning on on multiple levels. So we we delivered the hundred back. We called everyone. We delivered the hundred backpacks on Monday. It was basically our team and families um, that work at Amherst. Well, the next day we go Monday to deliver these backpacks, and Kathy said, This is great. We're getting 200 kids tomorrow. And we were like, Okay. And so we said, We got you. And so we turned our conference room into a backpack, packing center. Backpacking center. We started grabbing Bible study groups from the building and whomever. And every day we went and dropped off our backpacks and we got our new number. And by the end of the week, it was a thousand. Wow!
0: <laughs> wow, that's quite a number. And to start, it with was.
1: Such... But, but, but what it showed us really—that you could do it—was first. You know, it was a deeper understanding of the power of tragedy, right? right. And it taught us all gratitude, right? Because yes. we all we were all had kids. That was the first thing. But the second thing is, Kathy was, was very patient and sort of telling us, you know, it's great that you guys did this, but I hope you're not saying goodbye Mm -hmm. because there's 3,000 homeless kids in Austin, Texas every night and their average age is seven.
0: Seven. Okay.
1: I will, there's more now probably actually, but that line I will never forget in my life. Mm -hmm. Right. And so at that point we went, we went back and we sort of decided that we would start this within the company, right? And it would be our company give back, and that we would do our sort of first program, which is make backpacks. Now, what, what I sort of left out is that in the United States, we have an act called McKinney-Vento. Mm-hmm. And the McKinney-Vento Act provides educational rights to homeless children. Okay. And so the homeless school liaison is familiar with McKinney-Vento, and, and is sort of the one that in, that takes the family because it's all really starts with the family and and connects them to right. services and things to try to help the children um with their education. So um we we decided then we we also felt so bonded as a team.
0: Yeah and that's yeah. So I think uh, tragedy I won't say that's what we hope for, but tragedy or trying times actually bring people together
1: it we we felt differently about one another right and and we we were all working sort of for a bigger cause and and we loved it right because you know we're working in a capitalist business, and you know while that's great like it, this was totally something different and and we 100% voted that, that we need to we like be doing this on an charge. ongoing basis.
0: Wonderful, lovely. So uh, that was then and uh, today, uh, what are the challenges that uh, you know, you're facing right now? And uh, if you could just provide us an overview of the innovative programs that uh, you have developed to support homeless students.
1: Well, um, our sort of flagship program is a collaboration between the austin independent school district the university of texas Mm -hmm. and cap city kids and we kind of just consider cap city kids for simplicity to say we're concerned citizens but this triangulation i think is we figured out by accident the public private partnership Mm -hmm. and i think that this is the most important thing that this is the meat of the story so to speak right because a concerned citizen can write a grant to a public school district, and a university, and potentially triangulate all three. Mm -hmm. So that's what our social work program does. So what we do in this program is we pay one master level social worker, and she supervises, or he, but we've only had women, the program is 14 years old, she supervises 10 interns. Okay, okay? and these interns are master level social workers Mm -hmm. at the University of Texas. And they're going to get their um, field, ser- their required field service um, internship is 20 hours a week for two years. All right. Okay. So they're in the University of Texas has an excellent, they're excellent in most areas. But in the social work school at the time, I think it was top five. Mm-hmm. Right. And so they had incredible students and we get them from September to May. So we, the, the schools, we put them in the at-risk schools. And now there's a social worker there that the counselor and the teachers can take a child to, that is troubled, okay, right? And this social worker will sit with the child and help them, maybe connect the family to resources and or provide counseling. And the counseling, a lot of times, it's incarcerated parents, mm-hmm. um, yeah, grief, Some a lot of grief counseling, yeah. and but sometimes it's tra- we try to get these kids sort of at the end of um, elementary school and middle school, and, and we try to get them to understand the decisions that they make and have the awareness before they get to high school that, that they can be educated, that they can have a different life. In September through May, you can fill a lot of holes for this child, right? And so this is the, that's a long time. And I'm proud to say that this program we've, it has probably had over 100,000 hours of direct counseling. Wow, to children those, yes. and trained over 120 social workers super which i must tell you that when you train a social worker that is leverage right because they go out in their career and they help a hundred if not a thousand people very true right and so this leverage really makes my financial brain happy
0: right? <laughs> yeah the exponential <laughs> growth is what uh, you would uh, be happy with wonderful i'm very happy yes so uh Jocelyn, tell us, uh, 100% donations go directly to students and their needs, of course, right? So, uh, do you ha- feel the need to be transparent in your financial operations, and does that come out uh, in your execution?
1: Well, it's an all-volunteer organization, and, and the board is all um, filled with Amherst executives, Okay. right? So, we can get a quorum really fast... And then our donations cover all the cost, right? And so any money that we raise, we just pa- pass this through to the programs. So we don't have a lot of administrative cost. Fantastic.
0: Um, also, uh, when you talk about homeless kids or you talk about uh, maybe trauma you know, inflicted kids, uh, how do you maintain the privacy and dignity of these students while providing support, of course?
1: Right. Well. The homeless school liaisons, we don't see the kids that much. Okay. So there, um, we have an other programs called Empowerment Academy where we're handing out backpacks. And I can elaborate on these anytime if you want me to. Mm-hmm. We have a winter blast where we hand out coats, right? We have um, a math specialist in a school that, that has shelters that feed into it because a lot of these transient kids get behind in math and we have an unaccompanied youth holiday program right and so we have many different programs but they're all administered by the homeless school liaisons so we just we use whatever the protocol is for public schools as um you know we don't take pictures and, and and there's not a lot of unfortunately volunteer opportunities other than handing out a backpack or a coat a lot of this is just done through writing a grant and then that's sort of the beauty of it, too, is that the school administers it. Mm-hmm. Right? A, a, a school district and a major university doesn't have, don't have the funds to do everything that they want to do. Right. So it, that's what's interesting. Like a concerned citizen could then um, donate. So I'll give you an example. Um, because we're white papering um, this up right now, we've, we've spoken to a lot of liaisons, like what's, what works and what doesn't. And one of the programs that we have is that the liaison has sort of a pool of money so that when a child comes in, we want them to stay in school and be inspired. That's a number one. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it's a band instrument. Like They want to be in band. Mm-hmm. And a band instrument costs five or six hundred dollars. Yeah. And so for some of these families, they can't be in band or they can't pay, be in lacrosse. Field trips, you don't think about that. But If You know, some of these children. Yes. And so having this sort of pool of funds at their discretion that they can, you know, dole out to the kids that need it or provide um, the field trip expense or whatever. This can happen in anyone's community. Mm -hmm. Right. And any family can just call a homeless school liaison and say, you know, anyone or, or a book club or a church. I want to be the person that provides the field trips, or whatever your passion is, the band instruments, or the, the lacrosse gear, Water, or the yes. sports equipment, or prom dresses. Or here's my favorite, my husband's favorite, which is cap and gown. A lot of these kids go through horrendous efforts to get to graduate, but don't have $85 for the cap and gown. Oh, goodness. Yeah. We are happy to buy it.
0: Right. Um, so... You know, sometimes I feel uh, not everyone is aware of the challenges that these kids face. And for you to get a ground reality of what they are facing and get a report to you saying that this is what they need. uh, Does this come as a frequent report or does it change, uh, you know, every season or every batch, so to say?
1: Well, we're now in... 28 states and 30 cities. So one of our board members is called Steve Gorman, and he runs sort of the operation of Cap City Kids. He's a genius, a tech genius, and he retired maybe five or ten years ago. And he runs sort of the operations of that, and so he's very efficient. So he, how we work it is, or administer it, is he gives sort of the pool of funds to the liaison mm-hmm. And then the liaison just keeps a record of what they spent. You know, I gave Tej a saxophone or or whatever, Mm -hmm. and then gives us reports back. Mm -hmm. At first, when we first started this, we were just in Austin, and it was Kathy was running the homeless um, school liaison office, and she would call us, and we would just take turns going and buying Mm -hmm. it. But, you know, Steve made us a little more efficient. So
0: (laughs) Well, thank you, Steve. (laughs)
1: yes exactly uh, uh
0: so i'm sure this gives you a lot of pleasure a lot of joy uh does any particular incident or does any particular case come to mind when uh, which made you feel that you know what you're doing right now is beautiful and you're you're really grateful that you got this you got this opportunity to give
1: i'm so grateful for this opportunity and sort of this Um, set of circumstances I have to tell you like on that Sunday with our kids we used to play nine holes of golf and take the kids out on Sunday and I'm so thankful that that Sunday we didn't play golf because (laughs) we didn't we went and, and volunteered in the community and and honestly that ethos and that mindset of that day and this experience changed our complete it was humbling You know, way that we think about life, business, kind of everything. So for that, I'm really grateful. On the other hand, I haven't taught, you know, this is my first interview. um, And other people have asked. um, And I'll tell you why um, we're sort of going out with it now. But I always feel like we are barely scratching the surface when you really understand this problem. Right. And it's hard to really celebrate. Because there are so many kids that until there are no homeless kids, it's hard to declare victory, really.
0: Uh, that's so magnanimous of you to say, because and that just shows how humble you are, actually, Jocelyn. It's, uh, you are doing tremendous work, but you are uh, saying you've just scratched the surface. I, uh, I see that as potential for so many other beneficiaries to get uh, help from you. But uh, if if somebody had to help you, I know you are in a position to help so many states, 28 states you mentioned. But if somebody wants to volunteer their time, you know Chazuba is an online volunteering platform. So is there any way that somebody can offer to help?
1: Well, I think awareness, right, that that there is a homeless school liaison and that there is a McKinney-Vento Act and that homeless children. Have a right, have rights to education, mm-hmm. right? But there's no, you know, backpacks or, you know, maybe call the homeless school liaisons. But we're in the process; we haven't done it yet of updating our website and then I'm white papering um, all of the projects so that anyone and uh, along with a graphic artist that can actually walk yes. you through the steps of what we've learned. Right. And and not only for Cap City kids, but we've done some other public-private partnerships in business. Mm-hmm. But I have to say that a lot of this would never have happened if it wasn't sort of a close collaboration with the University of Texas School of Social Work. Like the Dean Um Zayas was a very entrepreneurial dean, and he started that his job there from I think he came from Columbia prior to that when my daughter went to first grade. And Tanya Voss, who was the, a woman who Kathy introduced us to. See how the thing, see it builds, right? <laughs> the love spreads. So Kathy introduced me to a field service dean at the University of Texas, Tanya, who then when the new dean came, took, us, took me out to lunch to introduce me to him. He and I hit it off right away. He's a, another beautiful soul, Dean Zias. And he looked at me and said, Dean White, was legendary, Barbara White, was here before me and she created a top five social work school. She has the best research here at UT. She's hired incredible professors. And a lot of people think that social workers um, are child protective services, right? A a vast majority of people really do think that. That is not true. At some point in your life, you are going to encounter a social worker. They are the fabric that holds the United States together, right, the social programs, the social workers. And honestly, like they don't aren't paid very much money, they in my opinion, don't get nearly of the respect that that they should, so the dean said, "Look, this school is in such great shape, research wise I want to be the scholarship dean mm-hmm. right and he and the endowment was three million dollars, okay. and by the time he left ten years later, and I was on his board the entire time, and his chairperson for over half of it, um the endowment was a hundred million dollars Wow, that's so." <laughs> Yes, but in the process of that, we built an autism center and public-private partnerships where we were um, in the, and this is not a Cap City Kids program, this is sort of a separate one, but the same thing due to the relationship. We learned that in Texas, um, the Latino kids don't get diagnosed with autism at at the rate that they should, and it's all about early intervention. My sister-in-law is a TV executive, and we had her, she was kind enough to run Um, public service announcements, ads on TV, and, you know, one thing led to another. The dean um, hired a really amazing woman, built an autism center with the help of the president of UT at that point, which was Bill Powers, another incredible person. So if you just get in and start to see a need and solve the problem, I mean, and then we have a couple of other programs inside of our firm that use social workers in a capitalistic company for people that that are experiencing um, financial distress,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? And it de-escalates, which is super traumatic, yeah, so right? If you think so you're going allied, to lose your home, yeah,
0: so many allied, uh, you know, functions there, and so many allied people to help. That's the power of networking, doesn't it? Uh, it? It's like it take, like you mentioned, it takes a village to raise a child, and this way, it takes a network to build this organization. So.
1: But we're writing a lot of this up, and soon it will be uploaded um, to our um, website, website, so that yeah, it's not yet, so we're, we're in the process of working on it now. Um, and so you're, you're sort of the first one to know about it.
0: Thank you. I feel privileged and honored. <laughs> so you have Chazuba to help you with the volunteering and the graphic designing or, you know, making your website.
1: Oh, thank you. That's so nice.
0: Wonderful. Uh, Well, the power of community, compassion, and collective action can break the cycle of homelessness for children. These kids may be facing challenges today, but with help, they can become the resilient, empowered leaders of tomorrow. It's time to author a different ending to their stories, one filled with dreams realized and futures unlimited. Thank you, Jocelyn and Capsity Kids for doing what you are doing. You are doing a fantastic job.
1: Thank you so much for having us and illuminating our, our work here. Really appreciate it.